everybody, and welcome to Save vs. Death, where we play games that are lethal, sadistic, and borderline unplayable. The borderline is the key part that I draw the most satisfaction from. Uh, I'm your game master, Root Scarn, and today's victims are Chris and Josh. Say hi, guys. Hello. I'm always a victim. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting, like, <laughs> because... I don't know, the, the raw end of this deal. Everybody else gets to rotate out of these, but I have to be here for every single one. Yeah, well, it is your job. You are a professional victim. I mean, that that may as well be just what's yes, on your Patreon. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Josh, I really should uh, update that page. <laughs> All right. So uh, as usual, uh, the games I play are generally drawn from a list of outdated games that everybody's forgotten, or games that everybody remembers for the wrong reasons. Uh, which are then expressed as emojis or symbols or codes or similarly sort of inscrutable, uh, obscure ways, which then uh, our listeners have to choose from to pick what game is going to be next in the rotation. Uh, so the options they had to choose from this week were Rose, Radiation Symbol, and Hole. Uh, which, like, what, like which, which, which symbol would you guys hope they'd pick? Like a sinkhole? Just like the hole emoji on Discord. Oh. I probably went with the radiation symbol, knowing my audience. I, I just hope we avoided hole, because that sounds like a bad time. It does, doesn't it? Uh, you are fortunate. They chose radiation symbol, which means, actually, yep. that... Oh, did you hear that? Did you hear that public domain chime noise that Josh added in post-production? That we, is... Is it Wasteland? Guys, no, you guys got the fluke good game congratulations oh dear god one in about every 10 games uh i add a good game to the rotation uh or like a game that's actually like just solid all around that maybe like is a little lethal or a little dangerous or dirty or in some other ways appropriate for save versus de death but is otherwise like actually just fun to play and this week that's what you guys got you guys got a modern, slick, well-polished game. Uh, it's actually very well-known, and for the, the dice heads out there, it will need no introduction. The game is Apocalypse World. I feel like I've heard of this. You probably have. Uh, so the game Apocalypse World was designed in 2010 by D. Vincent Baker, a fairly prominent game developer. Uh, and it was a game where people play various archetypes uh, called playbooks in a post-apocalyptic setting that's dangerous and dirty and constantly pushing them. And it's it's almost got kind of like a punk edge where it's all about sort of like these cool, stylish, but also like serious and like up against the shit people who are just like together and are just too cool to die until the moment they aren't. Uh, and it did a lot of very interesting things with its resolution mechanics and with how it structures threats which actually, I don't know if this was the idea, but it basically made it the perfect underlying system to make very evocative, flavorful story-type-based games from. Uh, it's not a system like D20, where it's like an underlying system that simulates reality really well, according to the developers. <laughs> where you could, you could just use it to easily simulate like any you can basically like plug in any kind of physics or like okay a laser gun does this much damage relative to a pistol where you can just kind of expand outward in any direction you want it's not like that uh it requires a lot of work to make an apocalypse world playset for a different kind of setting or as it's called a powered by the apocalypse rpg uh but it's 
worth it because just the kind of the way it structures like actually trying to do something and having an effect on the story and having an effect on the world is kind of genius uh we'll we'll get into it pretty quickly but so i'll just leave it at that for now so why is it in this horrible podcast that we're doing <laughs> because what, what's the catch it is uh that this game is about hard consequences this game is about like things going wrong about disasters about sort of just the world kind of being out to get you and you just kind of clawing what good from it you can based on how cool and sweet you are. That's that's sort of the feel of the base Apocalypse World game. So it's a bit like Boot Hill. It is like Boot Hill in a few thematic ways and entirely unlike Boot Hill. Just well, the absolute you... antithesis of Boot Hill in every mechanical way. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, like uh, we're actually just gonna the same as this thing that was designed for old west gunfights. We're actually just gonna get right into character creation. Uh, so it so Apocalypse World does not have a class system, wherein like a lot of RPGs have, you choose a character class which outlines basically what your character will come to be good at, and you advance level by level, uh, gaining gradually more powerful. Um, because one feature of a class system is that like, both player characters and non-player characters can be part of that class. Uh, Apocalypse World has a slightly different setup where it gives you a playbook. A playbook refers to, like, a, an archetype that you represent the and the absolute apotheosis of. Uh, so, this is a post-apocalyptic game about anthropomorphic books, got it. No. Uh, <laughs> basically, where you, you represent, like, the the ultimate example of this thing uh and right. there, there's nobody like you in this world also uh non-player characters in this game don't have classes because non-player characters don't actually roll dice uh they don't like ha they don't make moves the same way that player characters do we'll, we'll get to this pretty soon but for now uh, uh -huh. i'm gonna share a, a folder on my comment and in it you'll find a list of basic moves which you'll download and you'll f see two character sheets with your name on it, Chris, and your name on it, Josh. And I recommend opening those in, like, MS Paint or some Photoshop or some other editing software because you'll need to make some amendments to them. There are many awesome playbooks, but I have chosen one for each of you based on what I, I kind of personally would like to see you play. Let me know when you both have your character sheets up. All right, I'm all ready. Okay, I am good, I think. So, now that you've got the sheets accessible, let's start with the basic moves sheet. I'm just going to breeze over this, and then you can, we can consult it as the game unrolls, and I'll sort of help you know how to use this. So, one thing that's interesting about Apocalypse World is that traditionally, role-playing games simulate discrete actions. In other words, Dungeons & Dragons has a role you make when you're trying to sneak up on somebody, and a role you make when you're trying to hit somebody with a sword, and a role you make when you're trying to keep your concentration while casting a spell, and a role you make when you're trying to jump across a cliff, and all of these are modified by stats and skills and things that attempt to simulate specifically how your character undergoes this action against a difficulty based very granularly on how hard whatever you're trying to do is. Apocalypse, and then, like, whatever the consequence of that is, is either firmly ensconced in the rules, where it's, like, very direct, i.e., you hit with your sword, therefore you roll damage, or it's sort of up to the GM's discretion, like, uh, alright, you succeed on your diplomacy check, I guess this maybe happens? 
Apocalypse World is at once much more broad and much more specific. Because how it works is like this. If your character does, like, you know, jumps across a, a gorge or shoots somebody or, you know, whatever, uh, if it's not going to have an interesting effect, whether you succeed or fail, or you're not in, like, a charged situation where it, it really is, like, going to turn the tide of the situation or affect how things progress, uh, you succeed or you fail or it doesn't matter. There's no There's no role for it. Whenever you want to, however, have like a charged mechanical effect on the game where failure is a real possibility, you make a move. And there is a limited list of moves in the game that, rather than applying to like very specific kinds of actions, tend to refer to like just attitudes of action. For example, the basic moves, the moves that every character can make are do something under fire. Meaning, whenever, like, you're sort of under pressure and trying to act under pressure and do something specific, you are acting under fire. Or, whenever you're trying to hurt somebody, you go aggro, or seize by force, going aggro for when you're, like, trying to intimidate and bully them, and you're just going to hurt them if they refuse, seize by force for when you're actually just, like, trying to take whatever they have by attacking them. If you want to figure out what's up with a person, you read a person. If you're trying to think of what's up with, like, a situation, you read a cinch. So, like, you... All these moves, like, whenever you're trying to do this, you're just... You're rolling that move. And how you roll it is always the same. You take two six-sided dice, you roll them, and you add your stat. Whatever stat is relevant. Rather than, like, simulating specific characteristics of your body, like, oh, you're this strong or this tough or, you know, you, you have this much education, uh, this game breaks it up into, like, what your character's attitudes are, as is appropriate for, basically, your actions being defined through the attitude of whatever you're trying to accomplish. So, for example, your character stats are cool for whenever you're trying to, like, do something calmly and, like, you know, whenever you're under pressure. Hard for whenever you're trying to take things and bully people. Hot for whenever you're trying to, like, be persuasive. Sharp for whenever you're trying to be perceptive. And weird for, well, something very specific. For being us, really. Basically, yes. Uh, but it's... It's not the sort of thing where, like, oh, if you're trying to, like, learn Swedish dance, uh, you just roll the stat that seems most appropriate to that? No. Learning Swedish dance is not a move. Uh, unless it really needs to be, in which case the GM can make a, like, a custom move. But no, if, if, you know, it, it's, you only need to roll the dice when it affects the story in these specifically outlined ways. And when you roll these dice, you're going to get a result that is going to be a number. <laughs> if that number is lower than seven, you miss. And I, the GM, or as it's actually called in Apocalypse World, the Master of Ceremonies, make my own move. I don't roll for my move. I just tell you something happens. Something like, you take damage, or the situation gets worse, or you lose an asset you had. I make a move that's appropriate to the situation. If you roll a 7 to 9, you get what's called a partial hit, which means that you generally what happens is the move will have a list of good things that can happen, and you get to pick one of them, or maybe, like, a couple of them, and the rest just don't happen. If you get a 10+, plus, the situation goes your way. Uh, you get to, like, usually you get, like, a better choices, or you get more choices of good things that happen, 
as a result of you rolling well. This is something that's really not going to make sense until we start making moves in the game, but if you look at the basic moves sheet uh, for a minute, you'll sort of get a sense of what kind of moves there are and what kinds of results you can get by rolling. Yeah, interesting. So they've taken like that big, huge set of interactions that you can normally have in an RPG and uh, boiled them down to, what is this, nine? Uh, nine basic moves, yes. Uh, and yeah. then the one that needs explanation is open your brain. I was just looking so, at that. Yeah, this is one thing that most Powered by the Apocalypse World games, although I don't think all of them have, is... I, I want, uh, hang on, it's, hang it's, on. Before you explain, I just I want to read this out for, for uh, uh, listeners to kind of think about. The, uh, the initial line of open your brain is... When you open your brain to the world's psychic maelstrom, roll plus weird. So yes. that's that's uh, I'm kind of scratching my my head on that one. Please continue yeah. now, Rutskarn. So uh, Apocalypse World specifically has this idea that in the apocalyptic scenario there is something called the psychic maelstrom, which is it deliberately nebulously defined. Like you can get into more about what it is in your specific game, but what it is is like kind of this gestalt force of intelligence without real like necessarily purpose that everybody can access in a way that's idiosyncratic to their character and in this game you when you ac open your brain to the world psychic maelstrom you roll plus weird on a hit i will tell you something new and interesting about your current situation i may also ask you a question or two uh, that you will have to answer for me. And this has the dual purpose of, uh, in gameplay terms, I get to learn more about your characters and sort of tailor the story more to who you are and what you want. And it, within the game universe, it's basically understood that the psychic maelstrom is learning things about your character that they may tell to other people who access it. Uh, Interesting. So it's kind of like the Force. A little bit. On a 7 to 9, I give you an impression, and... Uh, if you already know others, you know, I tell you that. On a miss, I get to make whatever move seems appropriate to me. <laughs> so, accessing the Psychic Maelstrom is, is weird. It, it's So, the idea in this game is that this is basically the... I'm not entirely sure what to do, or my character doesn't necessarily have the resources to advance the situation, or I want more motivation. I'm kind of reaching out to the GM to give me something I can use to break us out of a rut. Mm -hmm. And this this turned out to be such a good idea that I think most playsets I've seen have some version of this that they flavor to fit within their world, regardless of whether or not yeah. like they're also like a great post-apocalyptic game. There are definitely situations when playing the games for this show where I've been like, well, I don't really know what to do here. I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be thinking about. And that usually just ends up with me going like, well, Rutskarn, what what happens? And that, that's also a problem of I'm generally, like, don't have a lot of advance notice with the system we're going to be running. I'm trying to yeah. GM an improvised game for you guys across uh, Ventrilo in a compressed time frame. <laughs> but uh, if we run into that problem again, this is probably how we're going to get out of it. So, that's the basic moves. Your character is going to have moves that are specific to your character as well. Moves that only you can make. And one of the major things that can happen when you advance your character is you can take new moves that will sort of expand how your character can interact with the world mechanically. 
and that's that's really exciting for me. Uh, I don't get excited anymore when I get like a new spell or a new feat in like Dungeons and Dragons, but I'm always excited to get a new move in a Powered by the Apocalypse game because it's always like a new toy I can use to expand how I interact with the game world. All right, you guys think you basically understand the premise of how moves work in a loose sense? Yeah. Okay, so we're now going to move straight to your character sheets, and we're going to create characters, which is a little, which is I I think kind of fun in a Apocalypse World. So one thing about Apocalypse World, which uh, is a subtlety of how it's structured that is often carried forward by Power by the Apocalypse games, is uh, it kind of understands that sometimes giving players like a blank check to just come up with anything is less interesting than giving them suggestions that they choose from, uh, which are not like necessarily like it, it specifically tells them exactly what happens, but it tells them what sort of thing happens or what sort of thing they are, sort of how they look like. So uh, there's, it never actually says that you have to choose these options, but the first thing you'll notice about your character sheet is that stuff like your name and your appearance Instead of just being blank fields, they have, like, lists of names and lists of, like, descriptive characteristics. And you actually just go through and circle the ones you like. But first, uh, before we get into those, I guess I should actually introduce the characters sheets that I've given uh, Chris and Josh to the listeners at home. So, Josh, uh, would you like to announce the name of your playbook? I am the Hardholder. Uh, do you want to read, read the paragraph, the or should I? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll read it. Um... There is no government, no society in Apocalypse World. When hardholders ruled whole continents, when they waged war on the other side of the world instead of with the hold across the burn flat, when their armies numbered in the hundreds of thousands and they had fucking boats to hold their fucking airplanes on, that was the golden age of legend. Now anyone with a concrete compound and a gang of gun luggers can claim the title. What other authority is there? So I guess I'm the boss. So yeah, that's your that's your character. You're the boss specifically of like a settlement or of like a, a right. resource. So that that that's your character's deal. And when, as you're creating your character, you're actually going to get to create details of the settlement where this game sort of takes place. Interesting. Uh, Chris, would you like to introduce your playbook? Sure. Um, mine is the chopper, um, and it's got a little picture of a gruff looking dude. Um, Apocalypse world is all scarcity. Of course it is. There's not enough wholesome food, not enough untainted water, not enough security, not enough light, not enough electricity, not enough children, not enough hope. However, the Golden Age past did leave us two things. Enough gasoline, enough bullets. Come the end, I guess the fuckers didn't need them like they thought they would. So, Chopper, there you are. Enough for you. So yeah, you are... I like being a gruff yeah. dude. More than a gruff dude, you're the leader of gruff dudes. So while Josh is the leader of the settlement, you're the leader of a gang. And one of the major things you'll get to do in character creation is detail what your gang is like. So, first things we first, wear uh, choose... <laughs> first things first, uh, choose a name and circle from each list uh, adjectives or whatnot to describe your characters. Let me know when you're done with that part, with name and look. Done. One of the titles that I have available here is Barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Um, Look, you get mostly real names. I'm a, I'm a biker dude, so mine are all, all biker nicknames. I don't have a real name. One of my options is Shithead for my name, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Can I actually say that it's it's very crass? It's extremely crass, but I also kind of love the flavor of this game, like how it's written. I also am a little bugged by the uh, the gender options being man, woman, ambiguous, or transgressing. Yeah, I'm not sure specifically what they mean by that, to be honest. Uh, from the way this game and a few others are structured, I think that that gender queer would be a better word, but I don't know yeah. if there just like wasn't a better thing that came to mind in 2010 or if they just that's you know. that seems to me like probably what's going on here um i i agree that that's that's a really sort of un. i, I don't think that's a good word but i don't know okay i've got all that set out okay uh chris introduce your character oh okay um my name is domino and i am a dude who wears scrounge biker wear okay what about your uh face eyes and body on over to the I have a weathered face, weary eyes, and rangy body. Sounds good. Josh? Oh, there are eyes. Uh, um, I am Grandma Lynn. I'm a woman wearing luxe wear with an aristocratic face, uh, commanding eyes, and a wiry body. Sounds good. All right, the next thing you'll see is stats. So rather than roll or specially assign or .5 stats or whatever, they just have like uh, four stat ranges to choose from. Uh, which will fill out all five of your stats. And generally, uh, they'll have whatever is your core stat, the one that your moves make use of, will always be at plus two. Uh, and then you, you sort of decide what, what you want of the other stuff. So uh, everybody pick stat range. Done. All right, Chris, what's your stat range? Cool plus two, hard plus two, hot minus one, sharp equals zero, and weird minus one. Sounds good. And Josh, let me know when you go. Uh, and mine is cool plus one, hard plus two, hot plus one, sharp plus one, and weird minus two. Sounds good. Uh, so you, neither of you are going to be good at looking into the psychic maelstrom, but fortunately you don't have to. All right. So, uh, we, we're already making a pretty good clip of the way through here, honestly. Uh, so basic moves, you all get all of the basic moves. That'll be on both of your character sheet. Uh, now we get to the specific moves you have. So... Uh, I'm, Josh? I'm a, a little, I, I have a question here on the character sheet. Um, Go ahead. in the hard holder moves section at the bottom, there's a note. If you have sex, see page 60. Oops. I don't think it'll be coming up in our time playing. <laughs> oh, right. No, I, I know what that is. Uh, but yes. Uh, so one thing about this game that kind of influences its thematic so, like, you've noticed that, like, as I say, this game is pretty crass, and that goes down to all elements of its design. Every character has a special move that happens when they have sex, uh, which gives them, generally, like, it, it provides a character some kind of benefit, or it, like, gives you some kind of insight into another character, and it, it kind of speaks to the game's visceral feeling, where it's, like, trying to get into this, like, kind of very lean, primal uh, element. But it's safe to say we're probably not going to rain go there this session, so I may just like Yeah. I will say that actually I've never been in a game where those moves were used. Uh so we're gonna start with Josh here. So you're holding. Uh we're before we get into what your moves are, the first thing you gotta do is customize your holding. So by default, your holding has seventy-five to hundred and fifty souls. 
Uh, for gigs, which is things that, you know, players can do to make money, uh, if that's a thing that their character playset does, uh, a mix of hunting, crude farming, and scavenging. So surplus, one barter, want, hungry. You're a makeshift compound of concrete, sheet metal, and rebar. Your gang gets plus one armor when fighting in its defense. An armory of scavenged and makeshift weapons. A gang of about 40 violent people. Three harm, gang, medium, unruly, one armor. So you'll see this a lot after, like, something that has, uh, will be used in combat, specifically, is it'll have, like, a lot of adjectives after it. Like, medium, unruly, one armor. Uh, often these will have, like, a specific meaning, like, one armor means that they basically reduce all harm they take by one, unless that has the tag armor piercing. But often, also, these just tags are just, like, to give you flavor and to give you things to work with when you're sort of narrating them, and when the GM's coming with moves to use against them. Specifically, however, your surplus and barter. So if you have something that has surplus and barter, generally what that means is you're going to have a move where you're going to roll for them, uh, often the beginning of a session, and if you roll well, you get the surplus. In this case, you get one barter. If you roll poorly, the want comes into play. The want being, in this case, hungry. So if you roll poorly, your settlement is hungry and you need to figure out how to deal with that. Now, you see that you get to choose four. Uh, yeah, I just see that also. I, I have, yeah, I have a heart holder. Yeah, so um, you get to choose four good things and two bad things. So I'm going to leave you to look through those and I'm going to move over to Chris. Hi. So you get a gang also. Well, actually, you, first you, you get a bike. Let's let's start with your bike. Oh man! So for your bike, you get to choose one or two adjectives that, that describe your bike. These tags don't really do something much, particularly. They're just kind of for flavor. Or if again, if I decide I want to make a move, I can make that move based on what your bike is. So uh, pick out your strengths, your looks, and your weakness for your bike, and then I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll sort of. We'll go through that together. Okay, ready. Okay, read them off to me. Uh, for strengths, my bike is rugged and tight. Uh, for looks, my bike is vintage and muscular. And for weaknesses, it's skinny. I can't carry much okay. on it. Sounds good. Uh, in addition to your bike, your personal fashion, worth one armor or two armor, your choice... Uh, so you, you've already sort of talked about, like, your, your armor and stuff. So you also choose two no-nonsense weapons from the list they provide. Uh, let me know which ones you pick. Magnum and Machete. So the Magnum is three harm, close, reload, loud. And the Machete is three harm, hand, messy. All right, now like Josh, you have a gang. And you get to pick... Your, by default, your gang is about 15 violent bastards, I'm reading verbatim, with scavenged and makeshift weapons and armor and no fucking discipline at all. In other words, a two-harm gang, small, savage, one armor. You get to choose two good things about your gang, and you have to choose one bad thing about your gang. I'll leave you to look over those lists to make your choices, and in the meantime, we'll go back to Josh. Yep, okay, so, um... My, uh... Four thing, good things here are, um, for gigs, add protection tribute, surplus plus one barter, want plus obligation. Um, for gigs, add a bustling, widely known market commons, surplus plus one barter, want plus idle, which, uh, what is that? Uh, 
your gang is well disciplined. Drop on nothing to do who are getting antsy and who want money. So you're gonna have a prime problem. Um, your gang is well-disciplined, drop unruly, and your compound is tall, deep, and mighty of stone and iron. Um, okay. And then my two negatives, which I haven't quite finished picking out. Uh, one is your population is decadent and perverse. Surplus minus one barter, one savagery. And let's do your armory is for shit, your gang gets minus one harm. Okay, sounds good. So your gang does two harm by default, has three armor when fighting within the compound, is disciplined, uh, medium-sized. Yep. Sounds good. Uh, Chris, have you made your choices for your bike gang? Yep. Read it off. Uh, My gang is well-disciplined, so they're not um, out of control. And my gang's self-sufficient, able to provide for itself by raiding and scavenging. It gets plus rich. Um, as my weakness, I went with my gang is loose-knit, with members coming and going as they choose. Vulnerable to desertion. Sounds good. Alright, uh, the last thing we gotta do is... So, in this game, there's something called history. Uh, there's actually a stat, technically. It, 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 it's called a stat, uh, which is your character's history with other people. And... In the beginning of the game, you outline your relationships with some other characters. Uh, and we're, we're probably not going to mess with that, actually, because uh, it's the main focus of history is to, like, allow you to interfere with people's roles or help other people's roles. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's, there, there are, like, some other things, and it's, it's just not going to come up in the short session. But, uh, the, so the sorts of things, I'm going to read them off, that you get when you, with history is... Um, Chris would, like, tell another player, like, one of you stood up to me and my gang, or I, I don't, you know, everybody else, I don't really like them, but this person, I know them well, like, because they, they stood up to me. And Josh would, uh, pick somebody maybe who's, uh, gen- you, you know, like, you, you pick, he picks whether he's, like, generous with his trust or whether he's reserved. Uh, he picks people, like, he's known since before, like, he was a hard holder. Uh, he's picked people who betrayed him, that sort of thing. Uh, also, since there's only two player characters, this doesn't really make any sense to do. So we're, we're just gonna... Yeah, I was, I was wondering about that. Okay. Uh, now let's talk about your moves. Uh, with the special moves you get. Josh, you have two moves. Uh, well... Really, you have one move, practically speaking, that is specific to your character, and then you have another move you just roll at the beginning of the game. So at the beginning of the session, uh, you're going to roll for your wealth. If your hold is secure and your rule unchallenged, at the beginning of the session, you roll plus hard. On a 10 plus, you have surplus at hand and available for the needs of the session, meaning that you get, like, I think three barter, because you took off the barter surpluses. Um, Let's see here. This is... My sheet is extremely long, and it also has uh, one page page that's duplicated, so um, let's see here. Uh, Let's see, I got plus one barter, uh, another plus one barter, yeah, plus two barter. Uh, Although, uh, it's actually uh, one of my weaknesses is uh, minus one barter, so um, plus one barter overall. Okay, so... So, I think that's plus two barter total? Okay. Yes, two barter. I guess. 
Yeah. So, yep, on a 10+, plus, uh, you have surplus at hand available for the end of the session, so you get your two barter and any other surpluses you took. On a 7 to 9, you have surplus, but you choose one of your wants to activate. So that'll become a problem in this session. Uh, mm-hmm. On a miss, which is a 6 or lower, uh, all of your like your wants activate. <laughs> so th- that role is going to be exciting. Your move is leadership. Mm-hmm. When your gang fights for you, roll plus hard. On a 10 plus, you hold 3, meaning uh, that you can like activate up to three of them as the fight right. goes on. On a 7-9, hold one, meaning that you can activate one of them as the fight goes on. Over the course of the fight, spend your hold one for one to make your gang make a hard advance, stand strong against a hard advance, make an organized retreat, show mercy to their defeated enemies, fight and die to the last. On a miss, your gang turns on you or tries to hand you over to your enemy. So nobody <laughs> ever said being the hard holder was easy. You see what I mean about, like... If you're rolling the dice, it's shit's getting real. Yeah. That's where the save versus death comes in. So it feels like like dice rolling in this one is going to be like not as common as in D&D. That's fair. Uh yes. Uh often you maybe don't necessarily want to roll the dice that much, although we'll we'll, we'll talk about uh how you level up in this game briefly. But uh Chris, your moves are pack alpha. When you try to impose your will on your gang, you roll plus hard. On a 10+, plus, you get all three of the following. On a 7 to 9, you get one. And the following are, they do what you want, they don't fight back over it, and you don't have to make an example out of one of them. On a miss, someone in your gang makes a dedicated bid to replace you as alpha. You think you understand? Yes. Okay. The other thing you get is fucking thieves. When you have your gang search their pockets and saddlebags for something, you roll plus hard. It has to be something that would f- plausibly fit in there. On a 10+, plus, you, one of you happens to have the thing or close enough. On a 7 to 9, one of you happens to have something pretty close, unless what you're looking for is high tech, in which case, no dice. On a miss, one of you used to have just the thing, but it turns out that some asswipe stole it from you. Fair enough. Okay. Now, uh, we are pretty much ready to go here, uh, except we just need to... No, normally the first session of Apocalypse World, and most Powered by the Apocalypse games, is a day in the life of, where you basically go to the player characters one by one, and just like sort of start from what they're doing on a typical day in the scenario. Uh, and then you kind of, as the, the Master of Ceremonies, you develop threats and stuff. We obviously don't have time for all that. Uh, we're basically just going to have one big scene. So... What do you guys think, given your characters? Um, well, here. Tell you what, Josh. Why don't we start by having you roll for your wealth? All right. Um, I don't have any dice handy. Yeah, just Brock Jones dice roller is probably good. Brock Jones dice roller, the unofficial, unlicensed dice roller of Save versus Death. <laughs> they're not paying us, we swear. So, okay. They're not paying us. It's unclear uh, if they're even making money. What kind of dice am I rolling here? You roll 2d6. Always 2d6. That's the only die roll that exists in this game. 2d6 plus okay, your stat. Okay, 8. 8? Uh, plus, plus, plus my stat uh, is actually 10. Oh. Um, okay, there you go. That's a full hit. Congratulations. You have all of your barter available. So, Josh, uh, you, you have a, like, a, you, your character, uh, Grandma Lynn? Yep. You run a market, and you run protection, and that sort of thing. 
what are you going to spend? And all this capital eventually comes up to you. What are you going to spend it on? What do you want that you couldn't just buy with like walking around money? What big purchase or investment are you going to try to acquire? Um, what can I do it with? Uh, there's there's a thing here. Um, no, that's not. That's something else. Uh, the value of barter is pretty nebulous. Uh, it's it's basically just like yeah, you, you decide whether or not an amount of barter is enough to buy something. So two barter is a lot of a lot of large ass. I I have a thought. Go ahead. Okay. But I don't know if this will work with whatever scenario you've got going on in your head for what we're gonna do here, but uh, I have no why scenario. Don't we I are creating the scenario in real time. Hire Chris's gang to help us fight some nearby threatening settlement. You know why what? Why does that have to be nearby uh, threatening rather... settlement? Why don't you want to buy their settlement and they have reneged on the deal and are refusing to move and me and my associates can maybe clear that up for you for a price. I'm going to remix that for you, actually, uh, because oh. I, I want to keep this. I, I want your character to be accessible and you wouldn't necessarily like ride out with Chris if he was going to go do that with his gang. Right. Uh, a gang is in your city. So, OK, you got this Market Street. There is one gang in particular. Uh, they are called the Backfires, and they specialize in vehicles. And they were actually one of the initial gangs in the area back when your settlement, you were sort of clawing your way up and founding Barter Town. And they, they're kind of a, a staple of the area. They're an institution. They're always kids who are like kind of looking up and trying to join the Backfires, or, you know, like scarifying and tattooing themselves with the, like, bursting engines. Uh, and they, they have their machine guns, which is like their signature weapon. Uh, and each machine gun has a name and like, kind of like it is customized with specific art because like it, they're given to the knights of the backfires and passed down. Uh, here's the problem with the backfires. They are fucking animals. They don't follow the rules. They're not disciplined like your gang is. Uh, and recently they've been causing a lot of trouble where they've been, like, demanding first pick of vehicles that come in for sale in Barter Town. They're a problem. You just found out that one of the big, like, fuel importers uh, is unwilling to do business with you now because... In fact, we're just going to cut to that scene. So, Josh, describe your, your like, your suite, your room. Um, I'd say it's probably well-maintained um, and unassuming. Okay. Like, and, you know, clearly uh, not just anyone can have an office like this, but it's also not so extravagant. Okay. Uh, bring up the basic move sheet for me. All right. Just have that ready. Uh, because yep. so, so And be looking at it to see if there's, if there's anything on the sheet that you're going to be wanting to do, specifically mechanically. But, all right. So, yeah, you're there. Uh, I take it that you have... Men from your gang there when you're present in negotiations with a merchant clan? Uh, just a couple, yeah. Okay. Alright, you're speaking to Vetus. Vetus is kind of a, a nervous, like, wasted uh, old man. Uh, he's he got kind of, a, he's bald, he's got these tattoos on his skull, uh, which represent, like, various surgeries that he's undergone and survived. His clan are yeah, you know, ex like they they basically treat like human beings as machines and specialize uh -huh. in being engineers and all things. 
He's also, of course, got some cybernetic parts. Uh, and he's come, and you've been alerted by your aides that he's coming with bad news, because this guy is, like, one of the biggest importers of vehicles and vehicle parts and stuff that keeps your empire and your merchant empire mobile. So okay. he's sitting in front of you, and he said, Grandma Lin, I I'm very sorry to bring you these tidings, but I understand that what I say now comes from the head chaplain himself. No sooner had we completed a great project to restore uh, our tanker truck, the mighty Titan, than our compound was assaulted with a rat-tat of machine gun fire. Our guards slaughtered, or driven, still burning, into the wildlands. By the time our gangs arrived, the Titan was gone. There could be no doubt. They made no secret. This was the work of the backfires. Until our Titan is returned to us, we cannot possibly do business with your people. We shall return into seclusion, and we shall consult the manuals until things develop. Well, we're very sorry to hear that, of course. But I must emphasize, of course, that you don't think we had anything to do with that. I am unconvinced. Your ambition is well recorded. I will only be assured that you are not involved when you deliver the Titan to us. Regardless of whether you were involved, this is your problem. We can continue to exist within our mountain. It was you who coaxed us out with promises of trade and lucre and outside parts. Mm, backfires have been a problem for some time. I assure you, we would not be foolish enough to steal a titan. What, what's, the, what's the name, the thing called? The titan? Titan's fine, yeah, titan's fine. Yeah, a titan from a merchant clan that we would like to have a very profitable business relationship with. Don't worry, I have a solution already in planning. Very well. We'll have you your titan within a month. Is that... How far away are these guys? Uh, they're fairly far away. <laughs> Their office is across from yours. No. <laughs> it's, just, um, it's, it's the cubicle next door. <laughs> they're... they're monastery uh, slash workshops are drilled into the side of a mountainside. So, right. Uh, the mountain ranges are some ways from here. You're in the burned out flats. Okay. Yeah. I, I assure you that we will have your property returned to you within the month. All right. So he is going to depart unless you have anything else for him. Uh, I motion to my, uh, my top guy. Make certain that he makes it to his caravan safely, and send him some gifts from the vault. Okay, uh, they nod, strike one barter for appropriate gifts. Okay, uh, so what is, what is Grandma Lin going to do at this point? Well, at this point, I happen to know that, uh, um, insert the name of Chris's gang here, is, uh, I guess, like, probably hanging out on the outskirts of the town, doing gangy stuff there. Uh-huh. What? Uh, Chris, what are some whatever tags Whatever Chris's gang does. Tags? What do you mean? Like, um, do you have, like, uh, rich, savage, etc.? Uh... They're self-sufficient. 
I don't think there are any tags in the character sheet for the gang themselves. Oh, just the uh... here you go. Oh, desertion. That that's one of them, for example. I, I remember you picked desertion. Yeah, desertion. Desertion. Uh, oh. Self-sufficient. Disciplined. Yeah, it sounds like. Uh, would right. it be fair to say, Josh, that I... uh, your guys don't really cause trouble, but like they kind of roll into town and then go off on bike rides and disappear for a while. So maybe like you have like a bar that you frequent. I mean, we like to cause trouble, but not where there's hooch and babes. Yeah, good. so we're 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 aware of uh, Chris's gang and that they've been generally civilized and not been causing problems for citizens of the settlement within the settlement anyway. So I send some feelers out to uh, contact uh, Chris. I forget what Chris's character's name is. Domino. Domino, yeah, and uh, have him brought to my office. Cool. All right, uh, Domino, what do you do? Ask why I've been brought here. Okay, uh, here's actually the question. So, okay, never mind. Go ahead, go ahead. So, yeah, Domino is in the room now. Domino has been teleported by the hand of God into the room. More like by a couple underpaid and desperate and ducking bullets assistants that you've got lying around. Mr. Domino, please have a seat. Sure. Are you aware of the backfires? Oh, shitheads? Yeah, I seen them around. Busted a couple of their skulls, too. Well, that's good. That's very good. I'm going to need you to bust a couple more. You see, I... the backfires have been causing too many problems for us to be allowed to continue in their current state. I want to hire you and your gang to go get rid of them. Look, I love busting the skulls of those dudes, but I have to have payment up front, and it has got to be worth the time. Of course, you understand that I cannot simply pay you entirely up front. I'll give you half up front and half after the job is finished. You'll also have the support of the local gangs, or of the local force. What, what are, do I have a, is it just my gang, or a police force, or what? Yeah, it's, it's your gang, whatever you decide. You'll also... Yeah, okay. You'll also have the support of some of my gang members. Okay. And now it's where I want to interject at this point uh, that so there, there is a mechanic seduce or manipulate that you use to persuade somebody of something. And right. the interesting thing about this mechanic is it has, a, like a few others, it has different rules for when you're doing it against a player character or an NPC. So on an NPC, if you hit, they ask you to do something first and they do, like, if, if you promise them, yeah, okay, I'll... I'll, I'll, I'll. So, like, they, they ask you for something, like, promise me this, and I'll do it. And if you promise them, they do it, but you don't necessarily have to keep your promise. Uh, on a 7 to 9, they need, like, some concrete assurance immediately. Like, no, you can't just promise, you need to, like, demonstrate. And then on a miss, they, they, they make a move. For player characters, All right. there, it's different. There's two choices when you roll for player characters. If they do it, they mark experience, so they get closer to leveling up. Or if they refuse, it's acting under fire, meaning that, like, if they refuse to follow your instruction, they basically, they roll the do something under fire move and may have, like, bad things happen to them or may, like, n not be able to refuse entirely. And if on a full hit, both of those things are true at once. Like, they get the carrot and the stick, uh, on a 7 to 9, you pick whether they have the carrot of the stick up against them. Okay, so, so I'll roll that for 
for this here. Sounds good. Uh, roll plus hot. Uh, six. <laughs> That's a miss. Now, yep. in this case, Chris gets to decide how he responds to that, but I'm going to make a move, which is... Chris, so you, you've got a lieutenant, which is Thorndog, and he's going to lean in, he's going to whisper in your ear, he's going to yeah, right. And be Grandma Lynn's good little boy, huh? I can't believe she thinks you're actually going to do that. I'm not going to do that. How about this? Normally a person offers to pay me half uh, and half the payment now and half the payment later. They welch on the deal. I put some lead in their gut. But around here, you're too important. And frankly, my boys like the booze here. So how about this? We do half pay... But you come along as collateral. Half pay Ooh. now, then later, rather than... You know what I mean. Right, right. Hmm, an interesting proposal. Of course, if I'm coming with you, I won't simply be window dressing. I'll lead my gang and come along for the ride. The entire gang? Keeping up with a bunch of bikers in the flats? I doubt it. Not, no, just like, like, five or ten people. That sounds better. Do you have anything that could keep up with us? Do are you isn't it in town? Yeah, or, you could we go... you can easily like you can easily oh so they have they have a compound in town and then they have people who are out of town at various points patrolling. Oh okay. uh, so we're going after okay. the patrols? Yeah. I, I mean how how did they sneak the Titan into town? And then leave it they, in town. They, they where probably no one has don't fights. have it in town. Josh would definitely know yeah, if they brought true. a tanker into town unless they had like some kind yeah. of special measure. So they probably do have some kind of hideout somewhere. That's what I was assuming. Okay, yeah. Unfortunately, you don't know where the hideout is currently. Of course, there are various well, yeah. ways you could find out. For example, you could open your brain to the world's psychic maelstrom. I was thinking about that. You want to give it a shot? Uh, yeah. Or you could interrogate somebody with read a person or read a sitch or seize by force or go aggro. There's those, those limitless mechanical ways to get at this. I, I just don't hope you're aware right. of Right. I like the idea of us, like, discussing who gets to consult the Oracle. Um, yeah, uh, let's, let's open my weird minus two brain to the um, world psychic maelstrom. I'm looking forward Sounds to you good. spazzing out at your desk while I'm sitting here, and then you're going to fail the role, and uh, I'm going to go out and just beat the crap out of the closest uh, backfire I can find to get the truth. Yeah, I got <laughs> all a the four, gaggers start, so... All the gaggers immediately start cracking up at, uh, at, at Domino's quip. That Domino, he's such a car. Um, yeah, so <laughs> yes, I got a anyway. four, so that's... Uh, uh... Okay, that's great. I was really hoping that that would happen. Uh, all right, Josh, so... This is one thing. I actually forget if this is in the rulebook or if this is just a really good idea my first Apocalypse World GM had. But uh, one idea is that everybody, the way everybody looks at a psychic maelstrom and like kind of the, the the abstract form it takes is dependent on that character. For example, my first character like saw everything like it was a, a like an educational serial from the fifties. Uh, another character saw everything like it was kind of a, a stage play or a puppet show. What's your character's psychic maelstrom? Um, I I don't know. Uh, everything is absolutely normal except everyone is wearing ridiculous hats. Okay, sounds good. 
all right, so you look into the psychic maelstrom. Uh, you immediately, like, get a chill. And in the room, you see that all of your gangers are wearing hats that are just giant black balls with fuses that are hissing down. And you look up at your over your own head, and you see that there's a bright, flashing red light over it. And also that, like, the just like the, the the buttons on your jacket have all turned into bullseyes. You suddenly get the sense that there is another force with you here in the psychic maelstrom, and you feel another mind's eye turning towards you. And immediately as that happens, uh, outside there is the clack of gunfire and the sounds of some something blowing up which is never a good sign when you hear that in this town uh chris your gang is like sort of readying their weapons and turning towards windows and trying to figure out what's going on but they're waiting for your orders because they're disappointed um trying to think of what actions i can take it so this is the hardest thing with this game is it's it's not you have to sort of invent the action, and I'm trying to figure out what I need to do next. Um, right. So just to give you, set the scene a little bit better, you guys are in the Citadel, it's in the middle of the city, uh, the backfire gang's sort of on the outskirts and also spread throughout. Uh, this is probably one of the better defended parts of the, the, the city. So how close was the explosion, do we know? Or do we just we just sort of boom and the whole room It shook? sounded like it was outside the security gate. Okay, so it's not impending into the room. It's 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 outside. Yeah, it's outside. There are gang. There are members of the uh, the ghost market gang between you and the explosion. Um, I don't want to tell them what to do because that I don't want to risk a, a losing roll right now. Can we read a sitch? Uh, go ahead, Josh or Chris, whichever. Uh, I'll I'll go ahead and roll this. Um. While you're rolling that, uh, I'll just quickly explain. So in a normal game of Apocalypse World, uh, or other Powered by the Apocalypse game, uh, a player tags one of your stats, and then the Master of Ceremonies tags another, and then you gain experience whenever you roll that stat. So the main thing you try to do is you try to tag stats that they uh, maybe wouldn't want to roll to encourage their character to do things that are outside of their comfort zone or outside of the things they're good at, because that will be the only way for their character to advance. It's like the opposite of, okay, of I got a Elder Scrolls. You got a 10 on Read the Situation. All right, you hold three. Yeah. So as the, as the scene unfolds, or just immediately if you want to, you can ask three questions from the list of specific questions there. Okay. Um, who's in control here? Uh, that would be the High Baron of the Backfire Gang, who is not currently within the city. What should I be on the lookout for? Uh, from the sounds of it, like the, 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 the gunshots that are going off, this doesn't sound like the backfire gang. This sounds like kind of crappy gunshots. So you're thinking that this is probably like random mercs bought within the city. So okay, um, they're not going to be wearing uniforms. What's my enemy's true position? Uh, if they're attacking with mercs, chances are they're fortifying somewhere else. Okay, so we can't actually see the people firing or anything, but something blew up outside. Yeah, it sounds like fighting is going on outside now, and you hear, like, your gang's signature gunfire. Yeah. Do we have a deal? Right now, I don't see that we have much Cruise of an option ice. but to work together, at least in the short term. Very well, then. Follow me. 
and I gather my uh, men that are in the compound and head to the entrance to investigate. Okay, uh, so your gang is currently, like, holed up and being pushed back by default by what looks like just a couple of crusty punks. Uh, you know, various, like, losers, deadbeats, uh, no accounters, members of no gang in particular, drunks, uh, with various borrowed or broken guns, uh, who are advancing kind of ca- carelessly. There are already a few dead bodies in the street, felled by your gang, and a few members of your gang who were killed. Their attack is aggressive and not very controlled. Uh, it looks like they're currently, like, just ch- taking turkey shoots at your dudes on the... The, like, the, the wall tops, but some of them are probably going to get through the security gate if your guards just stand there and get shot at any longer. Um, okay, I'm going to use leadership. Makes sense. So that's uh, also a 10. Um, all right, cool. You plus three. two hard was a good choice. Although, actually, all of them are plus two hard. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's because um, that's what you do. Okay, so so uh, really quickly go over the situation again. My my guys are holed up and they're getting attacked by basically uh, some random punks. Yes. Um, okay, I want them to stand strong against a hard advance. Sounds good. Right now the situation then is stable. There's like the punks are shooting, but you're not losing any more guys. Um, you're, you're you're coordinating your men like to actually fire in like logical patterns, machine guns to talk properly. Um, so you see that now, like, the mercenary forces are kind of... they're they're gathering together. Uh, Chris, slant one of your dudes, so-called, because, uh, like, his jaw is kind of hanging off. It's a prosthetic. Looks at you and says, So, uh, what are we gonna do here? Just let his gang take care of it? What? I can never understand you with that damn thing on. <laughs> um, trying to think of what to do. Like, so, so this, this, so stepping back from the role playing itself, um, I'm I'm torn because like I feel like there are things my character would do, but then I feel like the rule set really isn't about role playing so much as it is about sculpting a narrative, and I feel like those two forces are kind of in conflict because like as a character, Domino hasn't really committed to doing anything yet. Ostensibly, we're in their settlement and. It's their police force slash guard slash gang that is currently in the skirmish. It's their problem. Domino and my, you know, me and my gang don't have any real emotional investment here other than the fact that we said we would help with something that is at best maybe tertiarily related to to the current skirmish outside the gate. Um, So this becomes an issue for Josh, which is, is he going to actually push you into involving, investing yourself in this? Or is he going to just let his men take care of it? In which case, he may as well just, you know, use his hold to finish this fight. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I need to... It would not look good to be relying on other gangs to do all this stuff, so I'll uh, take care of this myself if Domino just wants to stay back. Um, Domino you know, just wants uh, to get wasted. I, but it got I assume my... you're about to pick... Uh, they, make, they make a hard advance? Uh, yeah, I was wondering if, like... I can also do seize by force, or if, like, the, the leadership stuff is, like, taking care of the... I mean, I guess make a hard advance is just seize by force, but, like, I already did the roll for it. So, yeah, let's make a yeah, hard advance. If, 
Okay, uh, you know what? Uh, we're we're a little pressed for time. Actually, how are we on time? Because I know we spent a lot of time sort of messing. Around I don't with, know. Uh, I kind of lost track of it. Let's just uh, let's just take this to its logical conclusion here, and then. Okay. Uh, so I'm just going to breeze through this. Uh, your men deal with the mercenaries. Some of them are dead. Some of them are wounded. Um, you see a lot of people hanging around, like kind of in shock. And you see a lot of merchants are packing up their carts and gassing up their vehicles. Uh, it's clear that a wave of tension is passing through your city now. Not that, you know, I mean, you managed to rebuff it, so nobody's like super panicking, but people are kind of sensing that a a fight is about to happen and they might not want to be around here when your leadership is really questioned. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I use my last thing here to show mercy to defeated enemies so that I can interrogate them. Um, which I guess is a seduce or manipulate role. Not necessarily. Uh, So, uh, one of the things for go aggro is, Tell tell you what you want to know, or give you something they think you want. Oh, okay. So you might do that, or you might have Chris do it, since, you know, you you paid for his services. Well, if this is an unrelated thing, I don't necessarily need... I mean, unless Chris wants to be involved a little more. Uh, <laughs> you, you are aware at this um, point from your Rita Sitch that this is related. Okay. But you're right, actually. You could also use Rita Person. Or you could do seduce manipulate. Uh, there, there, there are various okay. choices. It's just that from your character sheets, go, go aggro is probably the one that's the most mechanical. Yeah, no, one. go aggro. I'm gonna go aggro on uh, like let, let's say we got we managed to capture one before he could make off, um, and uh, just like in the street, and I just um, get in his face and go like, "Who the hell hired you to do this?" All right, make your and roll. Uh, who are you working for? And uh, I got, um, seven. Partial hit, always interesting. So, on go aggro, uh, on a seven to nine, uh, they can choose one. So, okay, so how go aggro works is actually kind of interesting. On a full hit, they either give you, do exactly what you want them to do, and you get to choose what that is, or you hurt them. Like, you deal your harm to them. Those are the only two things that can happen when you go aggro. Uh, they can't refuse, and then you decide not to hurt them. It's either they go along with it, or you hurt them. On a 7 to 9, they instead ch- they instead get to choose one of these. Get the hell out of your way, barricade themselves securely in, give you something they think you want, back off calmly, hands where they can see, or tell you what they want you want to know or what you want to hear. Uh, under the circumstances, I'm just going to choose tell you what you want to know or what you want to hear. Uh, so this little pipsqueak uh, is going to babble, and the babbling is going to gradually form a narrative, and the thrust of the narrative is that he was paid by uh, Knight Sampson of the Backfire Gang to come here at this time and just start shooting and causing chaos while they moved something big on the outskirts by their base. That's got to be the tanker. All right, Domino, this is what we're paying you for. Let's get going. Fair enough. All right, I don't within know what the narrative, do, Chris, are your yeah. men going to go on foot 
or are they going to go on their bikes to the edge of the city? In which case, they'll be riding through the the city itself. If you if you go on your bikes, you'll probably you may be able to get there and like catch them off guard. Or you'll be, you know, you'll be like moving fast. You know, you'll be you'll you'll get there before the the rest of the gang and sort of show up. But it may also be difficult for you to get there. You'll have to do a you'll have to roll to do something under fire to not like run I was... over people. I was under the impression that all of our bikes were outside the the settlement anyway. I didn't know how big the streets were. So I was just assuming we were walking around and all of our bikes were parked. I guess, I guess parking your bike outside in a post-apocalypse where people can just steal them is a bad idea too. So, you know. Unless they just know. have, like, explosive devices that you, you install on them. Unless the right keys used to activate them. Yeah, there we go. Anyway, I, I had assumed they were outside. I don't know if we want to go with that or not. Okay, well, that that sounds good. You're moving on foot. Uh, I take it you're going with your gang? Yeah, we're all moving as quickly as we can. Um, okay. Where are we going? I was I was assuming we would go towards the uh, towards the bike so we could get and go chase down the tanker. Is the tanker not in the well, city? Well, if they're moving the tanker into town, then we should probably go for their compound in town. I'm, I guess I'm just still confused because... Well, never mind. I, never Ignore me. <laughs> So is your destination to the outskirts where they're going to be moving something or towards the uh, backfire gang's hideout or not hideout. All oh, right. They're out of the outskirts. Club. Okay. Let's I say we go get that's... the bikes and go to the outskirts. That's what I was thinking. I thought we were going to the outskirts, which to me was outside the giant metal steel walls of the settlement. So yeah, I, I was sorry, going to I, leave, I, the, the, <laughs> leave the capital, go outside the nice fancy walls, get on our bikes and go to the outskirts was my plan. All right. Sounds good. All right, so you get on your bikes. Uh, you're riding the outskirts. Josh, you're following along, I assume, with your gang in, like, a, a jeep, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chris, a as your bikes are approaching the horizon, you see that the backfire gang is wheeling up in an armored vehicle. Uh, behind it are a dozen choppers. You hear them whooping and crying, and the armored vehicle's Gatling gun swivels and begins to open fire. Uh, if you're going to continue advancing, you're going to be doing something under fire. Quite literally. Fair enough. Um, I do not intend to not continue advancing, because beating the crap out of these shitheads is what I do. So, I continue to advance under fire. Um, trying to figure Don't out the rules cool. for that. One second. Uh, I got a four. So, that Shit. went badly. Yeah, it is. All right, so, uh, I'm just going to say it. The machine gun hits your bike dead on. Your character is hit for three harm. So, on your character sheet... How much sheet, do I have total? Uh, uh, so, on your character sheet, you'll see, like, a little uh, pie chart. And it's, uh, ignore the numbers around it. It's stylized as a doomsday clock, but that's actually really confusing in my experience. Uh, each point of harm fills one pie slice. You'll notice that you have three, and then the last one is broken up. Uh, we'll we'll get into what that means as it if we 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 t you take that kind of harm, but basically you fill the first three slices of the pie chart. I'm not liking the decision to take this job. <laughs> this job's getting worse all the time. Uh, this is an unexpected amount of gunfire. You probably would not have predicted that they'd have one of these specifically. Uh, the last you knew, they were just, like, some sort of run-of-the-mill... Like, they had, like, their, their individual machine guns, but this is ordnance, and that's kind of unusual. 
Uh, your gang also wasn't sure if they signed up for this. You see that some of them on the corners are beginning to peel away. What do you do? Scream at them to flank the damn thing. All right. Pack Alpha. All right. It's, it's, it's Sorry, I've got like three different windows open for between the dice rolling oh, yeah, thing. Oh, yeah, time. And... I, I, I got, I got your, your sheets, both of your sheets and the dice-like thing and uh, the basic moves and the rulebook. So um, I'm in the same boat. I got an 11. Nice. So you get all Is three. Is that seized by force? No, that was Pack Alpha. That's his his move for oh, opposing okay. his will on his gang. They do what he wants. They don't fight back over it, and he doesn't have to make an example out of any of them. All good things. All right, your your gang follows your instructions and begins to flank them. At this point, uh, based on the damage your gang does and the armor they have and the armor that the backfire gang has, I can just make some additions and subtractions to determine what happens next. Which is to say, a few of your gang members die, but they, they pick off a lot of the bikers uh, that are like following the armored vehicle. So the armored vehicle is the main problem here, and you're sort of... What weapons did you get again? A machete and a magnum? Yeah. Alright, your magnum probably has, like, the best armor-piercing potential out of anybody who is in the gang. So you're all too aware that this is probably going to be your problem. And the armor, the, uh, damn it! All right, um, is the is uh, I guess do I want to? Am I going to have to? How do I phrase this? I want to know if the turret is pointed at me, and so I can approach it, so I can shoot it. Um, do I need to read a stitch to see if a turret is shooting at me, or is that something that's kind of obvious? It's kind of obvious, but reading the stitch might be useful. Uh, one thing I don't know if you guys noticed is uh, the first time you act on one of the answers you get from reading a situation or a person, you get plus one to your next roll. That like so, so like the next time you you roll like a roll that is informed by your reading a situation, you get a plus one as long as you succeed. So uh, yeah, why don't you go ahead and um, read the stitch? All right, what do I? What roll is that? It's it's read a stitch is sure. roll. Oh, just roll 2d2, 2d12? 2d6. Or, yeah, the, rolling 2d12 would be nice. Uh, <laughs> eight. Eight. You get one question from the basic moves list. Um, what is the best way into destroying the uh, car, the armored vehicle? What is the best way? Uh, if you can get up alongside it, you can easily, like, take care of it. Like, if you, if you jump into it, uh, the guy inside has no weapon, is basically defenseless. So it's just a matter of, like, pulling off that stunt. Wait, so it's an armored vehicle, but, like, has an open door where I just need to get in through the window or whatever? There's a hatch. Basically, there's a hatch nah, on top. Damn. Um, is the turret firing at me? Can I, would it be feasible for me to pull up alongside it, or is that also happening under fire? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Uh, unless you fail your roll, in which case it might turn and shoot you. Okay, so I'll pull it's up beside like, it and... So yeah. So would it that, be a seized that, by a, force? That, that's a, sure, seized by force. Sounds good to me. Just so gear my your hold on something, in. roll plus hard. Alright. Eleven. Nice! Alright, choose three. Um, I definitely take hold of the vehicle with the turret. Um, I suffer little harm because God knows I'm already hurting. And I impress my enemies. Oh, I only Sounds choose good. two. Oh, choose three. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Ignore me. Yeah, on 10 plus, you choose three. Yeah. 
Sounds good. Uh, yeah, so the, the turret does not swivel your way. Uh, you jump on. Some guy's going to come at you with a pen knife. You deal with that. Uh, get in the vehicle. You now have control of the armored vehicle, and since you take definite hold of it, not only are you driving it properly, but you also have access to the gun, which deals four harm. Uh, you, you, you would have taken four harm from it if you didn't have one armor. So if you want to go aggro or seize by force against, like, what few, very few of the bikers remain, or against any future enemies with this gun, you deal four damage. Um, would, would going aggro against the remaining bikers reduce their numbers to the point where all we have to do then is get our tanker back? Seized by force. Um, you know what? Actually, uh, I'm just going to give you this since you, you, you impressed, dismayed, and frightened the enemy. Uh, the remainder of the... Like, at, at this point, like, all of the backfire gangers around the armored vehicle are going to start fleeing. So it's just a matter of whether you want to actually, like, make sure they stop fleeing, which would be seized by force. Or go aggro, depending on how you phrased it. Is no, the I just... tanker being driven or... Like towed the tanker by is not... the armored vehicle, or nope, the tanker is not currently visible. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, we just we just happened into a war party. <laughs> you guys never heard tanker. You only heard something big. Right. Rutskarn tricked us. Makes me wonder what the plan was if they were gonna take a fucking armored personnel carrier into town. Okay, to set the scene, uh, Chris, you're behind the wheel of your brand spanking new armored vehicle. Uh, your men are whooping and hollering, at least those that are still alive. Uh, break, uh, backfire gangers are turning towards the mountains and gunning it on their throttles. Uh, Josh, riding behind, your gang and the jeep seem duly impressed. What are you guys up to? Are the... Is the person that was in the armored vehicle still there? Did Chris kill him? Did he get out and flee? You know what? Up to Chris. Oh, no, he's dead. No, he's dead. Um, God damn it. <laughs> I, I, given that everyone is fleeing and this isn't the thing we're searching for, I'm going to take this as part of my payment and I'm going to pull over to the side of the road and stop and wait for Josh to approach so that we can figure out our next move in finding the tanker because this ain't the tanker. Yeah, uh, that was impressive, Domino, but this is not the tanker. You know, I would be nicer to a guy that just took three bullets for your stupid frickin' tanker. Oh yeah, I forgot, Domino just got fucking fucked up. Um, Pretty fucked up. Well, it seems as if you've gotten yourself a new ride. Damn straight. Where to? You want to go um, rough some what, of these what guys What kind of information up? do we have about the... I don't want to take the APC into town uh, because I don't want an APC inside my town. Right, right. I don't want uh, my APC um, surrounded by your guards, so... It occurs to you, and again, in, in a full-length session, I'd probably be a little more circumspect about this and dropping hints and stuff, but I'm just going to give it to you. It occurs to you that, like... You're not really supposed to bring APCs into town for obvious reasons, uh, and if they were going to bring one into town, they might want to make sure that the guards were looking the other way while they brought it in through like the the side gates uh, that and like the, the mazes of shanties that their base is built around. Yeah, and if they managed, if they were going to bring an APC into town through that entrance, then they probably could have brought 
the tanker in through the same one. Let's head to the compound. Need a lift? You're not taking this into my town. Oh. <laughs> and then and then Domino begins the slow three mile walk back to his bike, which he dropped <laughs> and he jumped off the bike. You can try, you can take the thing and drive it to the edge of town and leave it outside the walls. Fair enough. Alright. All the cool babes and dude babes uh come out of the clubhouse to check out your new APC as you disembark. I'm going to be dining out on this story for, well, maybe as long as I have left, frankly, given that I'm bleeding pretty profusely. <laughs> Is there, like, do we need to do something about that? Is there, do we Great have question. doctors? <laughs> uh, for the sake of posterity, I'm going to briefly explain how harm works in this game. And the answer is there are doctors uh, that are player characters. One of the playbooks is the angel, and that is really who you're going to look to uh, if you're hurt most of the time. Uh, otherwise, care is going to be second best. I'm fine. Let's Sorry. let's <laughs> scroll. I, 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 I want to just like read this off real quick here, but so. Um... From the first cut for the the first three segments, uh, that's actually not that bad. If you fill that out, it's not like super serious. You're not in mortal danger. Fill in the next segment, and your character's like like the the, the whole next segment. Uh, your character is dead, but can still be revived. Uh, after that, you're just you're just plain fucking dead, though. So, like, if you get hit with enough damage at once, your character's just dead and cannot be revived. Uh, before the 6 o'clock, which is to say, the for the first two wedges, uh, those will go away with time. From 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock, which is to say the third wedge, again, I'm not a huge fan of this, uh, of the Doomsday Clock system. Uh, harm will get worse by itself, but if it's stabilized, which you can stabilize it now, uh, it'll be fine. Okay, we stabilize you should probably it. stabilize it now. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so let's advance uh, towards the um, compound through the uh, side entrance. Oh, so uh, just just to clarify to Chris, actually, uh, if you take more damage at this point, uh, you will die. Although you can be revived. Unless you go past, like, unless you take four damage at once, in which case you're just going to outright die. Fair enough. However, uh, when you take damage in those squares, you can take a debility instead, which is which is a permanent reduction of one of your stats by one, uh, except weird. And that'll make it so that you don't take the damage or that your damage stops at nine. So you got options. Okay, well, so I Josh, you say we stabilize... the compound? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, we're, we're going to the compound. And Chris, yes, we're stabilized. Okay. All right. Uh, when you get to the compound, you find the place mostly deserted. Um, from the from eyewitness reports that are given to you unbidden by various like lurkers and skulkers and merchants, it sounds like the backfire gang immediately started heading for the hills after they saw how things went down beyond the wall. Um, it's likely that their presence in the city is dispersed for now. Uh, again, just because we're trying to like get to a, a conclusion here. Uh 
an informant is going to come forward and offer to tell you where their secret hideout is in exchange for one barter. Am I not already using one barter on Chris and I already used the other barter? Half yeah, a barter so, right now, technically. So you would be going to dead if you gave him that barter. If you gave them the barter. It's really your call what you do now. We could aggro him. I could aggro him. I'm really persuasive. Well, be my guest then. Alright, I'm gonna uh, go aggro on him and try to get my get, get information. my information. Yeah. Alright. I rolled a 10. Sweet. Uh, bring that up now. So yeah, uh, he's going to decide not to take three harm from your magnum, uh, and it's which would instantly kill him, and is instead going to give you what you want. So he informs you that the secret base they have is actually underground. There is a bunker facility, which, unbeknownst to you even, who's set up here, stretches for miles of tunnels and hangars underneath the surface of the ground here. And apparently they've been building up, an, like they've been through several hidden uh, gates in the nearby Badlands. They've been gradually moving in all kinds of vehicles to assemble a fleet with. That's not good. Well, I guess it's a good thing they've got our attention before now. Uh, okay, can we advance into the, uh, into the dungeon? Sure. And I'm just going to ask, uh, how are you going to handle this? You're just going to go in guns blazing? You're going to sneak in? Uh, you're going to try to negotiate? Well, like, what's your intention here? I think we're past the point of negotiation. Uh, let's so on try to let's try to sneak in and get a lay of what's going on and what we're up against. Okay. Again, you know, in a normal session, all this would be thoroughly role played, but we can just boil it down to a few right. dice rolls. Uh, Josh, would you like to attack with your gang? Would you like to have Chris attack with his gang? How is that going to work out? I think we should both attack. All right, simultaneous. Hmm. You know what, Josh, since you're, you're, you're commanding this attack, correct? Right. Why don't you roll under fire to get people in quietly? Okay. That's plus cool. All right, so... I got 12. Horoshul. All right, uh, you managed to coordinate things so that everybody gets in sneaky-beaky-like. Uh, you see that, like, in the long, dark tunnels, there's the occasional flood... Set up. You pass by. Your men take out sentries quietly. Uh, the gang walks up behind, and you come across the motor pool, and you basically have them completely surrounded, uh, flanking them from a raised position. Um. Okay. Uh, have them enfilade. Yeah. And that includes you and your gang, um, Chris. I want to roll leadership. Go for it. Uh, let's see, that's an 11. Cool. Um, and we're going to make a hard advance. Sounds good. Uh, your men begin firing, uh, they deal damage to the other gang. Uh, a lot of them start trying to flee on side tunnels or sort of dig in into cover. Chris, that's when your men come in. How are you gonna handle it? 
my men are going to hold their ground because that's what I told them to damn well do. Yep. Uh, so they're, they're going to be okay doing that. Uh, at this point, if you want to just like hold your ground and not risk your men, you're acting under fire. If you want to go in and kill the motherfuckers, uh, you're rolling take by force and essentially using your gang as a weapon. My, so, again, this is where it's weird to interpret what the rules are. What I want to do is have me physically hunker down and yell commands at my crew because I'm hurt and don't want to die, and I find my crew uh, expendable. So, is that still a, uh, uh, you know what? You know... Actually, come to think of it, you don't probably don't need to roll then. Um, oh, wait, although, if actually, if you're going to hunker, no, if you're hunkering down, yeah, you are going to need to, like, kick them in the ass here. Otherwise, they're going to be like, what the fuck? How come Domino yeah, gets to sit up there while we go in and get ourselves shot? Okay, so no, that you are going to have to roll pack alpha. That's what I thought. All right. Eleven. All right, yep, they do it. All right, and I'm just going to say, yeah, between your coordinated efforts, uh, you eliminate all of the backfire gangers within this hangar, which may as well be all of the backfire gangers in the world for the effect it's going to have. So now you've secured a hangar, which is full of which contains vehicles and weapons amounting to three barter. Since your men are disciplined, Chris, they're not going to take anything unless you tell them to. Do you tell them to? I'm going to... Uh... Sorry, I'm trying to... I think I closed the thing. The Read the stitch. Okay, right, go ahead. All right. Uh... Ah, damn, I got a nine. That's pretty good. That's a partial hit. So you get to choose a question. Um, what should I be on the lookout for if I wanted to take some stuff? Uh, well, the stuff that's going to be useful to you and maybe probably go unnoticed, uh, is actually going to be they have experimental fuel cells that the military was developing. So you spot that some of them, like the cars, like their gas caps basically have this, like, nuclear battery stuck on them. This is going to seriously help with your overhead, and they're small and easy to hide, so you can easily just tell your gang to start picking them up. And this this is going to significantly, like, enhance your gang's reach, and also, like, give you some barter currency if you need in the future. Alright, yeah, I, I'm going to tell them to take at least one of them. Alright, Josh, um, I at this point, I can just leave it to your characters to wrap things up. How does this story end? Yeah, I mean... I'm not particularly concerned with them taking small pieces of stuff. I assume the tanker is present. Yeah, the, how about this? How about as 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 someone who is currently owed half of a of a barter, I will take the half a barter that you have already delivered. This wonderful APC we got and some of these fuel cells, and I think we'll call it even. Fine with me. All right. All right, sounds good. And Yes, Josh, the tanker truck is in this cast. All right, cool. So um, this solved my armory problem, I think. One of the, the attributes I had was uh, an armory that wasn't worth shit. Yes, uh, except uh, then it'll probably also, if this was going to be a campaign, doubtless all of this new shit you get was going to cause problems, where some of it wasn't going to work, yeah. or some of it would be, like, <laughs> malfunctioning, or some of your men would break off into splinter cells and, like, try to use it as, like, an insurgents and run a coup against you. But, fortunately, we don't need to complicate things. We could just have a happy ending right now. Uh, that was Apocalypse World. That was right. interesting. Um, 
it's definitely different from like doing normal D and D, where you kind of have like a, a really clear idea of like what you can do in a given situation. I I really like what it's trying to do in that it kind of turns you into the superhero of your own Robert Rodriguez post-apocalypse movie. Um, and I like how much it tries to free up the mechanics to really let the DM and the player characters really try to invent their own solutions to problems that don't involve, Yeah. well, that's a cool solution, but do the numbers work? And, and here it's a little bit less hard and fast about that. Yeah, actually, um, one of the... Uh, sorry, I, I'm, I'm just going to briefly interrupt you to, to expound on this before I forget, but one of the things about this game is that it's actually surprisingly player-empowering because a lot of the times you, you'll come up with a solution and the GM will say, no, you can't do that because I don't think it would work. In this case, though, the rules generally say, no, fuck you, it works. Yeah, no, I, I really do kind of like the rule set and, and the abilities... The ability it sets up in terms of trying to come up with a compromise between the text of the game itself and the systems of the game and the and the DM and the players, uh, all to create an interesting story. And I think that works really, really well. Um, I dig it. Yep. Uh, for those of you who are interested in more Powered by the Apocalypse games, uh, probably my fa- they, they just released a new edition in 2016. And probably my favorite derived playset, which, by the way... Uh, it is actually free to make a Powered by the Apocalypse game. You don't even need to arrange for the license. You could just interesting put Powered by the Apocalypse on your playset. Uh, it is it is completely open. It's like it's essentially a gift to tabletop gaming. I love it. But my favorite uh, adaptation of Powered by the Apocalypse is probably the Sword, the Crown, and the Unspeakable Power, which recently uh, released its final version through Kickstarter, which I've been playing in beta form for many years now it is essentially the game of thrones iteration of of this rule set and it works really well at balancing characters who are rulers characters who are like sort of sorcerers and powers behind the throne and characters who are get shit done types i would be interested in doing a little crusader king style campaign with those rule sets actually that could be really funny Maybe we can arrange that as a non-Save vs. Death sometime. Or maybe it'll come up in the Save vs. Death lottery. Who knows? Anyway, that's been Save vs. Death with a rare, non-shitty game. Uh, tune in next time. Chris, you need to say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.